Swing and a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frank Lee, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded and over 30 countries across the planet each week, according to PodTrack.com. Tonight, we're doing a special trade deadline recap episode with our reactions of the trades that the Red Sox did make and reactions of the trades that the Red Sox did not make. So it's going to be a pretty action-packed show. Probably a few hot takes being, you know tossed around here and there so we will get right into it once again i am terry cushman coming to you from lewiston maine and we are joined tonight from westwood massachusetts jason kelly jason how are you oh i'm just peachy what 30 more days of watching jackie bradley in center field just what i wanted after today good lord (laughs) You know, if he's with us for seven more years, that's over two thousand days. Oh, we went. God. We went that, from that's like a that's a nightmare. We went from possibly yesterday being the last one to like two thousand. So I'm just yeah. We'll we'll get into it. But uh, also joining us tonight from Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I'm really good because I'm just happy that my dud didn't leave the team. I'm going to be able to putting. I'm going to be able to keep putting them on there until they start showing up. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, two more players that just left the team, and sad to see one of them go. And you know, it was only a matter of time. And uh, I'm sure, we're going to be talking quite a bit about this. Of the players that did leave, uh, Mitch Moreland, Kevin Pillar, Joss Osich. Who's the who's the one that makes you the saddest? Oh, for me, it's Moreland. I think because of the amount of time that he's been with the team, he's been here several years now. He's uh, been along. He's he's a vet already. You know, he's been in, in the league for ten years. They just celebrate his ten year, so he'll be receiving that little uh, pension when he's done uh, for Major League Baseball because he's hit that mark. Um, but he was also a clubhouse guy, very well liked, never caused any problems, no drama, no BS, no cheating no scandal no nothing he was just a good all-around guy yeah i think it's probably moreland for me as well osage i always forgot was still here actually like i would turn on a game and find out josh osage is the opener and i'd be like oh yeah he's still here um <laughs> pilar was you know here for a cup of coffee and kind of 
caused a little bit of controversy last week on his way out the door, which is always fun. Um, but, you know, fun player. I, I've said it about Pilar before. I wish we got him five years ago and not now, but it is what it is. But Moreland was a guy that when we first signed him, I wasn't expecting much at all. I thought, okay, it's the guy who has been with the Rangers for a while. He's got a little bit of power against right-handers, but not much else. Um, but, yeah, he, he turned into just a good all-around player for this team. He was really good in the clubhouse and actually delivered on a couple of huge key hits uh, throughout his, his short career here. So, Moreland, I'm definitely going to miss, for sure. Yeah, we talked about the Game 4 home run, you know, that ultimately, you know, helped the Red Sox win that game. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that you weren't too excited about Moreland because Eric Hosmer was the first baseman, like the premier first baseman on the free agency market that offseason. And both players had similar numbers, you know, in terms of home run total, runs uh, driven in, their wars were similar. The only difference was Hosmer hit for better average. And if Moreland was a straight up platoon player and hardly ever faced lefties, you know, his average might've been a little more sparkling, but but overall, you know, they had a very similar production, both gold glove first baseman even. So defensively, they were both elite in the Red Sox. I mean, I can't believe Dombrowski was smart enough to to maneuver that because he pays Moreland on a two-year $13 million deal. And then the Padres, you know, big time overpay. You know, 140 million, I think, if the options were picked up or whatever for Hosmer. So I think the Red Sox, you know, came out of that pretty good, you know, with Moreland. And and he's the one I would have picked as well. Yeah. And it's it's funny you mentioned uh, Hosmer's contract. It's like, it's bad. I mean, we talked about like the Aaron Hicks deal with the Yankees. Hosmer's is almost just as bad. He's going to be making, you know, 20 million the next couple of years and then 13 until his age 35 season. So yeah, that was prudent move by Dombrowski to get Moreland instead. And that that really paid off. Absolutely. So uh, getting into today's action, uh, Kevin Pilar uh, will go to the Rockies, which is an interesting fit. It's kind of a fun team. He'll be in the outfield with, uh, I know Charlie Blackman will be in, in right field. Who's their left fielder? I meant to look that up, if we even know. Uh, it should be David Dahl. I oh, think. D- yeah, David Dahl. Yeah, so I- I'm guessing Pilar will slot into center. You know, with his defensive ability, he covers a lot of ground. Um, career center fielder for the most part, anyway. He just happened to be, you know, in Boston with probably the greatest defensive center fielder of, of this era, anyway. Um, so you know, he played more right. But he goes to the Rockies for a player to be named later and international pool money. Now, for people in the audience, not a lot of people are are hardcore enough to know how significant the international pool money is. But that's how we signed Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. So the more of that you have, 
you know, the the better off you can build your system. Those guys weren't in the draft and they were signed through the international system. So so that could end up serving uh, the Red Sox, you know, pretty well. So um, I'm assuming the player to be named later isn't going to be Nolan Arenado. But, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, I mean, pretty, that's pretty safe. Pretty safe to say that. I was just actually looking at it because I thought David Dahl was injured. He actually, uh, he has been injured. So Dahl's actually been out. Um, and in in 2020, Dahl's actually been kind of a, a non-factor. Uh, the, the left fielder is actually a guy named Rymel Tapia. The center fielder's name is Sam Hillard. Hillard's hitting uh, 234 and Tapia's hitting 312. But... Uh, Dahl's been out for a little bit. I was with you, Jason, but I, I realized I have David Dahl in one of my fantasy teams, and he hasn't been playing. So who's playing center field? Who's <laughs> playing left field? So I uh, I realized that I, I was curious myself. So that that answers that question. Uh, Blackman's obviously the, the man the man of the outfield for sure. You know, Blackman was a free agent uh, after the 2017 season, and we needed to kind of make a splash that year. Third base was really the target area. And we ended up with Nunez cause he was cheap and we, we were having big time payroll crunch that year. Um, but one of my dream scenarios was maybe to trade Bradley out to Colorado and, and get Blackman, you know, because he was just a rental at the time, but he obviously didn't get traded, and then he got signed to, I think, a five-year deal, something like that, uh, after the offseason. But, man, how cool would it have been to have Charlie Blackman in, in right field for the Boston Red Sox? Or it probably would have been left field because Mookie was still here, but still. Oh, it would have looked, it would have looked real nice. few guys are then cooler again, you than know, him. We, we think about it, too. You know, We think about uh, certain players, like how nice would it have been do you remember when there was a rumor that Giancarlo Stanton might even come to the Red Sox, and we we almost had had Giancarlo Stanton, J.D. Martinez, and how good that lineup would have looked like? Thank God we didn't get him. Oh my lord! Yeah, um, I thank baseball God every night that we didn't get Stanton. And truth be told, I mean, I wasn't gonna pout. If we did get him, I definitely wanted J.D. Martinez more, and um, luckily it worked out. Um, and we'll, we'll get to J.D. here shortly. Um, but Pilar goes to a fun team that uh, has a chance to make the postseason. They're not currently in a slot, I don't believe. Probably should have looked that up. We know the Dodgers are first. Padres are second. Padres went absolutely crazy this um, trade deadline, you know, getting Clevenger today, um, uh, you know, as kind of the cherry on top, but, um, I'm surprised they're not that, out of prospects to be honest with you. Yeah. Honestly, uh, AJ Preller looks like the baby kind of bit version of, uh, Dave Dombrowski. I mean, he just absolutely pulled the plug on the titanic right here and let that entire i mean maybe not because some people were saying oh you know the padres still managed to keep their top three prospects and all this that and the other um 
I'm shocked that the Padres didn't give up more for Clevenger. I'm shocked that Cleveland didn't ask for more for Clevenger because he's arguably a top three pitcher in the American League. And now he's in the opposite league and a different division. I don't think the Cleveland Indians wanted to give Clevenger to anybody in the AL Central. I didn't think that the uh, the Indians wanted to give any more firepower to the Yankees. So it really was going to be a National League team. And who was going to get them? Maybe the Braves. Maybe somebody else. And it ended up being the Padres. I thought, oh, it'd be funny if the Padres ended up getting Dan Plesak. Um or not Dan Plesak, it's, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Zach. Dan Plesak's his dad. That was a Cushman-level uh, gaffe, by the way. That That is, uh, that is, uh, yeah, that's bad. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that that entire trade is insane. And I, I'm, I've already shared about how much I dislike A.J. Preller. I don't think he should be able to be a GM anymore. Um, and the fact that he was able to maintain some of those top top guys and not have to let go of them really hurt. Because it reminds me of, you know, what did the Red Sox give up for Chris Sale? Well, Cleveland Indians should have been, you know. I think the Red Sox came out of the Sale deal okay. Because, I mean, the only one who's kind of panned out is Yohan Moncada. And he's not this generational talent that we we kind of thought he would be based on the hype at the time. So, um, and, and, of course, we did win a World Series um right with sale so at the time i i did think that was a borderline painful trade and the skepticism was there i mean can sale pitch a full year and is that delivery going to hold up uh, over the long haul and you know it, it held up long enough i guess <laughs> and then we were dumb enough to sign him um right as he was really breaking down but but we'll see. Hopefully next year he'll be fully rebuilt and conserve out the rest of his contract. Um, back to the Red Sox transactions. Josh Osich, I know everybody's going to miss him. Uh, he did kind of come off a good series where he didn't give up a run in his last two appearances. He goes to the Cubs. Um, is it Andrew Chafin? I forget. Yeah, yeah he, he came... Chafin, Chaffin, yeah. Oh, is that how he pronounces it? I know he comes from Arizona, and he was kind of one of their mid-level, um, you know, bullpen guys. So um, Chicago, the Cubs really have never had a really good bullpen outside of those couple of months they had a role as Chapman. So maybe, um, maybe these guys can kind of help them hold down those late innings. I think Kimbrell's kind of come around, though, hasn't he? I haven't really checked on him lately, but last I knew they uh, they were kind of working on him, and he was kind of settling in pretty good. Um, so, I mean, we'll just we'll, we'll see if they can kind of hold it down in the, you know, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. Um, we're getting a player to be named later, or and or cash considerations. So it was just kind of a move to make a move. I'm just kind of glad we got rid of him. I mean, Josh Taylor would have been painful, especially with this type of return, uh, because I think he's got a lot of upside. I still think Austin Bryce has a lot of upside. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more uh, reliever in there, but, but, we're kind of hanging on to 
you know, some of these guys that could play a role next year, especially having Darwin's in back. I'm assuming he's still going to be, uh, you know, in the bullpen. But I, you know, who knows? It's hard to it's hard to trust these guys. He's going to need a third pitch if they do decide to start him. But um, but yeah, the bullpen potentially, if it the stars align and and Darwin's in there. I think I don't think we're going to have a problem in the late innings next year with some of these guys. No, and I, and I think with Osage too, like he was a late signing, wasn't he? I, I feel like they signed him, um, you know, almost like as spring training was supposed to about start, and then obviously everything got pushed back. But yeah, they signed him late because no one else really wanted him, and I think that they started to have some injuries in the pen, so they said, okay, let's go get this guy for depth. And now you're able to trade him for potentially, you know, whoever this player is to be named later, or even if you just get cash, like that's pretty good for a guy who just kind of picked up off the street really late. Yeah, I remember he came from the White Sox organization. I'm not sure what the the timing was of us getting him, but but I mean, yeah, I you know, I kind of hope we we do get a, a prospect, just someone to roll the dice with. Obviously, it's. It's not going to be much. And the unfortunate thing for Osage is he's really dominant against lefties, but because of the stupid three batter minimum, he's not going to get the chance to, to be that lefty specialist, you know, that dominates and has, you know, good looking stats. And so he's going to get mixed in with righties because of that rule. Yeah, and that's that's a huge problem for him, especially, you know, if the Cubs are going to be playing playoff games as they hope to be, you know, you're going to be going up against teams like the Rockies and, you know, eventually he'll have to run into the duo of Arenado and Story. Um, you know, same with the Dodgers. They'll have to run into guys like Mookie and, uh, you know, their catcher out there, Will Smith, is starting to show some pop. So, yeah, he's he might struggle in that regard for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so those were the trades we made today. So where do we want to start? Um, let's start with Vasquez because he was connected uh, to the Mets. And then Rosenthal came out today and said, you know, it wasn't really that hot and heavy. And the momentum that people were talking about was a bit overblown. And I got really sad because when is Ken Rosenthal ever wrong, really? And that kind of made me, I think I texted the the group chat right after, and I'm saying, I don't think Vasquez getting traded today. And he didn't. And Tampa was in on him earlier in the week, and I'm not sure if any other mystery teams were involved. I think we would have found that out eventually. So... I'm pretty. He was one guy I, I kind of wanted to move, but what what are you guys' thoughts on Vasquez staying? So the only thing that struck me when when you look at the deals that the Mets did end up making, so they ended up getting Robinson Chirinos, Todd Frazier, and uh, Miguel Castro, the reliever out there in in Baltimore, and Chirinos and Frazier are both guys on the wrong side of thirty who are just going to be sort of depth pieces they they only gave uh the rangers only got players to be named later for them but they gave up their number 12 prospect for miguel castro 
who I think is just kind of an average reliever. Like, I don't think he's anything special. So it's not like the Mets weren't willing to deal prospects. It's just that they weren't getting, you know, they weren't getting the offers that they wanted. So what, what that tells me is that the Mets were offering probably their prospects for Vasquez and Bloom either overvalued Vasquez or undervalued the prospects that he was being given in return. And that's why that deal went off the table, because I think if they had gotten Vasquez instead of Chirinos, they would have sent over at least one or two of their top 15 prospects. And you got to wonder, like, what were they offering and what made Kyan Bloom say, no, that's not enough. That's interesting, and I'm not sure we'll find that out, but go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is something that we did talk about once before, is if you deal Vasquez, but you're not able to get something good as far as catcher in the pipeline, Kevin Plawecki is not going to be the answer by himself behind the dish. Like, that's that's not enough. You need to have a good a good catcher that can call shots behind the dish. And Vasquez has shown that he can, can hit the ball well. I mean, last year did a great job doing that. Can he do it again? It's kind of, we're still trying to figure it out. But if you lose Vasquez, you're going to trust Kevin Ploiecki behind the dish? That's not enough. Well, and um, I think it was just Bloom. Thinking contingency plan. If we lose Vasquez, then what next? And there was no next. There was no other options available on the table. And it's obvious that that um, you know Bloom is is really bleeding the team out right now. I I just don't think he wanted to bleed that position because it's already a thin position and it's not a position that you have um, that a lot of teams really have depth at. Not really. So I think. The more and more I thought about it, I think after um, I think after Sunday, I, I I felt yeah, there's a there's probably a good chance that we're going to hold on to Vasquez. So I just figured the day would be eventful enough that some type of deal uh, would emerge, but you would have Pulawecki for sure, who's been pretty dynamic at the plate, especially with his ability to go to the opposite field. We haven't seen him enough to get a sense of how he works with the pitching staff. Jonathan Lucroy also in our system. We'd probably have to put him on the uh, 40-man or, or something. And so I think between the two, I think you'd at least have the rest of the year to decide which of those two guys has the ability to work with some of these guys. And then... Maybe, you know, you just get someone back from the Mets. I mean, who would be their odd man out? Probably Chirinos, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe you just get him in return, and he kind of fills the role for a little while. I'm still kind of hoping Connor Wong is, you know, brought along as a potential long-term guy. He only has you know, been as high as double A and I can't remember if Andrew wasn't high on him or not, but he definitely kind of, you know, piques my curiosity a little bit. He's, he's a guy I'm going to be looking at, you know, throughout the year next year, as far as the box scores and everything go on, on a daily basis. But 
But my problem with Vasquez, and I, I get a lot of problems with him, and I don't hate him. I, I can't emphasize this more. I, I don't hate him like I hate Pedroia. I don't hate him like I hate David Price. I have no issues whatsoever with the character of of Christian Vasquez. I have a huge problem with his game-calling ability. And I tweeted this out earlier. I got some numbers right here. Um, his ERA with Rick Porcello catching him, or Porcello's ERA with Vasquez catching him, uh, was 496. Uh, Chris Sale is a 461 ERA with uh, Christian Vasquez. Nathan Avaldi 447 ERA with Christian Vasquez. David Price, 427 ERA with Christian Vasquez. Eduardo Rodriguez has a semi-respectable, uh, you know, ERA of 3.98 with Vasquez catching him, but there, like I said, is no evidence of Christian Vasquez being able to guide these guys through through a game. And the thing that's scary to me is Tanner Houck, Brian Mata, Jason Groom. At least one or two of those guys is going to be up next year. Do we really want Christian Vasquez guiding these guys? And what if they do get knocked around? Like, that's just, I'm not going to be able to let go of that. Like, the wrong guy is probably catching these guys. And they need to be matched up with someone who can kind of get them through a game. And, you know, we were, I just thought Leon was so underrated and I didn't, I wasn't too upset when we got rid of him because they all have a shelf life and whatnot. But David Ross was, was very similar. I mean, Clay Buckholz fastball in the 2013 postseason was like 88, 89 miles an hour. I mean, he wasn't the same guy as he was in April and May, but Ross kind of nursed him through the game. And I think great catchers can do that. And and I just don't think that that's going to be Vasquez. You can change his position. I mean, I think he could be a third baseman or a first baseman. That's not going to work with the Red Sox because we got a hell of a log jam, you know, with guys like Chavis, Dahlbeck, Casas, uh, you know, maybe as early as next year. Um, so I would have traded him. His value was really high, and he had a very affordable contract, even for a small market team, even for a team like Tampa that, you know, I'm not sure what the deal was there. Bloom probably wanted more than what they were willing to give up. But, um, and those interdivision trades are are bad because can you imagine the Rays front office giving up uh you know their number three or four prospect pitching prospect and then getting killed by him for the next seven years like that's not going to look good so you you just don't see a lot of interdivision trades you know Clevenger didn't end up with with the White Sox um you know despite the the connections and uh, it is pretty rare, but I'm just not a Vasquez guy. And I know I went off on a tangent in the last show. I promise everyone I won't do that again till at least this winter. But I, I think everyone knows how I feel about Vasquez. Well, I think the biggest second guess when it comes to Vasquez is why couldn't they have made a deal like the Mariners did with the Padres? 
the Mariners sent Austin Nola to San Diego, and they got four players back. Now, they attached two relievers as well. They attached Austin Adams and Dan Altavia. So if the Red Sox were to do that, you'd say it's Vasquez, Barnes, and I don't know, maybe you, maybe uh, Marcus Walden or someone like that. Maybe even a, a Darbinson Hernandez or something like that. Oh, don't but do they that. Got, like, well, but, I mean, look at what they what, what the Mariners got back. They got Taylor Trammell. They got Andres Munoz, who's a 21-year-old fireballer. They got Luis Torrens, who's a good young catcher, who's probably going to play every day. Um, and True. they got Ty France, who's, you know, 25 years old, and he's, you know, not really a prospect anymore. But they got four young players back for Austin Nola, who I think is worse than Christian Vasquez. So I'm wondering, like, why wasn't Bloom in on that? You know, like, why wasn't he trying to make a deal like that? Oh, I, I mean, here's the thing, dude. The, the Padres were, were trying to, you know, catch fire you know lightning in a bottle with nola because the kids got some positional flexibility the guy can play catch he can he can catch he can play first he can play second and that offers a little bit of extra value right there when you have a catcher that has uh the ability to play multiple positions outside of catcher um do you need a second baseman no you don't need a second baseman in san diego right now do you need a first baseman no you already got mitch Moreland there or you have uh haas um, but it's it's an interesting an interesting play. I don't think that they would have gotten him if Nola hadn't been hitting the way he had been the past couple weeks. Because let's be honest, he's one of the best hitting catchers in baseball right now. I mean, I see what Jason's saying, and I understand that you know Seattle got a haul, you know, in that deal, and maybe there could have been some creativity on the part of Bloom. I mean. If, you know, maybe package Bradley, Barnes, and, and, and Vasquez together to a team that, you know, just has a couple of, you know, gaps to fill in and it could have looked attractive. There was a number of combinations, uh, you know, that, that could have happened. So that, that's a good point, Jason. And, um, I'm just wondering, like how motivated were they to trade Vasquez at this point? It, it sounds like they they wanted a haul or we were keeping him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they wanted they actually probably wanted more than what the Mariners got for Nola. So I think that's and that's what we were kinda of hearing throughout the day is that the asking price on Vasquez was was astronomical and that's part of why the Mets backed out and I'm pretty sure the Padre, you know, Preller was probably weighing his options, and he probably looked at what the Mariners were offering him and what they wanted, and he said, you know what, they're asking for less than the Red Sox are, so we're going to make this deal instead. I think you're right. I think they overpriced Vasquez. Yeah, they'll have another chance to trade him in the off season, but um, it just I, w- I would have felt a little better um, had he, you know been traded today but charlie any any last thoughts on vasquez no i mean i honestly feel like the the reason why they didn't do it i i think i think his value i mean you think about the catchers that were actually on the move outside of vasquez of the catchers that were being discussed for potential trades who had more experience who's played better defense available catchers I don't think there were any. No, absolutely I, I'm pretty not. sure. I'm pretty sure there were none, right? So uh, I don't blame 
Heim Bloom for trying to get a decent haul in return for Vasquez because we hadn't gotten crazy hauls for for Moreland and um, we didn't get really you know crazy haul for the uh, uh, Brandon Workman and Heath Embry move, but we weren't expecting crazy hauls back. This was his, I think, trying to get his golden egg worth of prospects player trade. Um, and when he didn't get what he wanted, that that was a thing. I mean, I felt like the more and more time that he spent there, uh, the less likely he was to move. And when Vasquez didn't get traded to San Diego with Mitch Moreland, that was it. Vasquez wasn't going anywhere. Let's be honest. There were only two or three teams that were really making any moves. And, I mean... San Diego made moves that, like, I, I think kids that are playing video games controlling a team make. Eight trades in, in the span of, like, 48 hours is insane. But they literally have built a juggernaut of a squad now. They look scary. Yeah, and I, I don't know if the Dodgers were kind of squirming <laughs> as as each domino fell, but that's a team that's arrived and they're going to be good for quite a while and a lot of their pitchers are young and controllable they did give up Quantrill today um I thought he had the potential to be you know semi top of the rotation Andrew disagreed with me but and and, you know I'd kind of you know yield that to him anyway because he's he's a prospect guru but um, but yeah, but that San Diego team is, is loaded in almost every area and it's going to be fun to see what kind of a rivalry, you know, ends up unfolding with, with the Dodgers for the next several years. Cause the Dodgers are obviously built for the long haul as well. Yeah, oh, 100, 100% dude. Those are the two teams in that division. Sorry, Jason, didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was just going to say, um, you're right. It, those are the two teams in that division. And I forget who tweeted it, but it, it was one of the baseball insiders. And he said, you know, you got to wonder uh, what Friedman is thinking today. Is he shaking in his boots a little bit looking at San Diego? Or is he smiling going, wow, look at all the prospects you guys just gave up and you're still not better than us. So that's going to be a really <laughs> interesting rivalry out there in the West. Yeah, and you know... It's been a long time since the Red Sox and the Yankees have had a, a long, sustained rivalry where both teams were powerhouses at the same time. I know we crossed paths in 2018, and we had the the pleasure of, of knocking them out three games to one in the ALDS, but, but between 2018 and 2004, it's really been few and far between. We just haven't haven't really met up and before I think 2012 the only way we could play them was in the the ALCS but it would kind of be fun to you know to have that again and and we're gonna see it with with San Diego and LA and I'm not sure I mean the central isn't looking well, the the Cubs and uh, not the Cubs, the uh, White Sox and the Indians will will be good, and actually the Tigers too. So they could have a nice little three way, you know, battle for the next few years. I'm really impressed with the Indians, though. You know, they just they they keep refreshing their roster, and 
bringing in talent and a lot of this talent that doesn't look spectacular ends up, you know, it seems like every pitcher in their rotation is a number three or better. They, they just can't quite get the outfield squared away, you know, to where they can get a lot of production uh, from those guys. But, but other than that, I mean, they develop pitching as well as anyone. And they got Quantrill today, didn't they? Or no? They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that was that was one of the reasons why I was a little bit salty. Uh, that, that would be an amazing, an amazing chip to have in any minor league farm system, and it would have been nice to get some kind of player of that caliber for <laughs> you know for Moreland. But we, I think we all kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. Not with, uh, not with how much you know team power the Padres were going to have with owning Moreland. They're going to have a lot more flexibility with that and Clevenger. And they got that Arias kid too, who I guess is, you know, has the most upside of all of them. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's go to the next contestant here. Uh, let's go with Jackie Bradley. I thought he had a good chance, but uh, Heim Bloom made some comments and actually, I think I have that quote. Let me see if I can pull that up. Um, yeah, right here. Now, before I do read this, everybody was available. Like, that's what we were told multiple times over the last couple of weeks. Everybody's available. But then the the deadline comes and goes. And then High and Bloom is quoted as saying, We love Jackie. We'd love to have him here for a long time. This was the case months ago. That's the case today. So everybody was untouchable except Bradley this whole time. Mookie Betts was touchable, but Bradley was untouchable. <laughs> I I went there. But um, I just, that's kind of, I'm surprised he's still here. Hey, Terry, can you hear us? Yeah. Oh, did you lose me? Yeah, Jason, Jason, I don't know if you could hear him. Yeah, it's it's really choppy on your end. I'm sorry. Uh, Is it good now, though? Well, I I know. Yeah, it's it's good now. I think as far as JBJ went, I think as soon as um, they got rid of Pilar, uh, I I feel like it was going to be whichever one of those two went first was going to go and the other one was going to stay. Not because of want but because of need and at the end of the day you still can't uh forego the fact that jbj is a a defensive strength and it is known in not just the american league but in baseball that jackie bradley jr is a major defensive piece and makes your team better uh when he is playing uh as as far as defense goes yes the bat is is a liability but I feel like as soon as Pilar left, he was going to have to stay. Because who are you left with? Benintendi's gone. Pilar's gone. If he left, you have Verdugo and who else? You're going to force J.D. Martinez to play in the outfield? Good God, heavens no. Please, no. Who would man center field successfully? Who would we have? Jaron Duran? <laughs> Anybody yeah, sounds right? good to me. Jose Peraza, just throw him out in center field? <laughs> well, maybe for the rest of this season. But 
I don't know. I'm just tired of the Jackie Bradley saga. You know, he had a really fun hitting streak in in 2016 where none of us went to bed until we confirmed or denied whether or not he had a hit. And I think he brought it all the way to uh, 29 straight games. And then John Farrell was like, I'm going to lead him off tonight. And I just knew that was too radical, you know, for him to, you know, handle and because he'd been you know sixth or ninth somewhere and um the night he let off was the night the streak ended but he hit 27 bombs that season 276 i mean that season's been an anomaly and there's been some painful seasons in between now and then he had that epic alcs where he only had three hits but he drove in i think eight runs on those three hits and won the mvp you know, that's probably mm-hmm. when we should have traded him. Yeah. He he should have been off this team a long time ago. And it's to me it's almost it's close to inexcusable that he's still here. Um and it will be even more inexcusable if they re sign him to a multi year deal and they keep him here. That like he's gonna be thirty years old. He's never panned out offensively. He had that one good season, like you just mentioned, but other than that, it's been he's been getting worse at the plate. Um, and yeah, he's good defensively. He's always been good defensively, but how much is that really worth? It's certainly not worth the eleven million dollars he's making this year. And it just drove me nuts that like, like I saw once the deadline passed, I saw Carabas tweeting, "Well, now you have to re-sign him, right? Because if you don't re-sign him, you're admitting that." You made a mistake by not trading him. And I'm going, no, you you don't have to re There is no obligation to re-sign Jackie Bradley just because you didn't trade him. You should have traded him. But the fact, okay, you didn't. That doesn't mean you bring him back on a multi-year deal or, or anything like that. This is a team that is trying to rebuild and contend at the same time. Jackie Bradley serves neither of those purposes. He's going to be 30 years old. He's regressing at the plate, and he, he's not going to help you win at this point. So no, just because they didn't trade him does not mean that they have to re-sign him now. I thought that statement from Bloom was so bizarre that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's, oh no, he we've always wanted him to, to be a Red Sox. And, you know, now, like you said, Terry, it's like, so everyone was, you know, not no one was untouchable, but Jackie Bradley was untouchable? <laughs> that makes no sense. Like, that that's just... I think Bloom's just trying to cover his tracks because of the Tomasi article from last week and all that stuff that came up and the fact that they didn't trade him and now they're going, no, we love him, we want him to stay. But honestly, I think if Bloom is as smart as we think he is, when it really comes down to it, he's going to let Jackie Bradley hit the free agent market and some stupid team is going to overpay for his defense and they're going to give him a two- or three-year deal for eight, $9 million per and they're going to let him walk, and that's what they should do. That would be the kind of way to save face, to just come out and say, yeah, well, you know, the price got kind of high, and we wanted to go a different route. I guess that's all, you know, for us in the, you know, the, you know, the we don't want Bradley camp, um, <laughs> that's what we have to cling to. Yeah, Carabas, I'm just so done with that guy. I mean, 
we listen to him cry over <laughs> we listen to him cry over Mookie not getting re-signed and how ownership is cheap. And then they trashed Verdugo on the way in. And now that Verdugo's turned out to be a stud, basically a five tool player almost. Now they love Verdugo. You know, Verdugo's the man. I just can't they they just don't keep it real over there. You know, we do. And and so yeah. That's my dig at Carabas, but, um, but yeah, just it, I'm frustrated that that we're gonna have Bradley and and I get that we don't really have the depth. We have Verdugo, that Duran kid who seems to be hitting for some pop, but you could easily bring back a Pilar type guy if you want to. I mean, it's pretty easy to find a corner outfielder on a one-year deal. And so I'm not I'm not too worried about the depth, really. Peraza was out there tonight, and admittedly I was getting ready for the show, so I wasn't paying too much attention to the game. But, but yeah, remember Jeremy Hermita? <laughs> I mean... Oh, my God. Darnell McDonald. Oh, like, Lord. well, we would find someone... Yeah. Anyway, so Bradley stays. None of us are crazy about it, but uh, somebody better check on Al, too. Uh, You know, Al's not a Bradley guy. Last God, remember Jeremy Hermita? That's like saying, do you remember Rico Bronia? Like, oh, God. That was god-awful. Do you remember how bad he did when he came to Boston? A couple of, he was like, a year out from being like a superstar. And then the following year it comes to Boston and just blows. Right. Actually, I meant to, I meant to give a poll that I did uh, a few hours ago. It's got 311 votes right now. So semi healthy sample size. I, I simply asked everyone if they wanted the Red Sox to trade Bradley today. 48% said they wanted Bradley traded uh 52% said no so it's almost a 50-50 split you know some love Bradley because and I think that's the casual fan they just get attached I mean if Mike Napoli came out of retirement these are the people that would demand we give him a one year deal to play first base you know so uh, is what it is you know I'm not going to knock those people too bad but but it is pretty split on Bradley, and you know uh, a a two for forty stretch, you know, could you know sway that poll a little bit towards you know the negative side that we're on. But be that oh, as well, it may, get ready, it's it's coming. That'll be the <laughs> month of September. It's coming. Yeah, and then everybody, like, would we even keep this guy? And yeah, so be it. Last guy um, that sort of surprised me. Well, I guess I can't say I'm too surprised in the last several days, but a lot of people expected J.D. Martinez to be traded. If he kind of came out of the gates hot, he, he would have been uh, you know, one of the top candidates. He remains with the team, so let's just ask, let's just ask the question this way. Were the Red Sox asking too much for J.D., or did he just suck and nobody wants him? 
Oh, that was that's that's too easy. Uh, you're you're literally watching the, the demise of one player who literally a few years ago was arguably one of the best hitters in baseball alongside Giancarlo Stanton, who now this year, I mean, he strikes out in more than 25% of the at-bats. He's not drawing walks. He's only had three home runs. His batting average is barely over 200. You can find someone for a, a, a true fraction of the cost of what you'd have to pay this guy to do just what he's doing, if not more, and he's going to be younger. So J.D. Martinez wholeheartedly destroyed any value he had. The Red Sox, if they were going to trade him, should have traded him after his Grand Slam home run. And even after that Grand Slam home run, he's got two homers and 11 RBIs on the year. I mean, that's garbage. That's that's just terrible. Yeah, He's my, he's my dud tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie nailed it. Um, Martinez torpedoed his value this year and the reason why i think he didn't get traded i'm sure kyan bloom tried but teams are being smart and they're being prudent they're going out and getting guys like kevin pilar who is much cheaper is on a one-year deal and is actually playing way better than jd martinez right now so that's what teams are looking for it's you know his name doesn't carry the same weight that it used to because everyone's watched his at bats and they've watched you know, a full month of him so far this year, and he looks lost. I mean, he just doesn't even look like the same player. So, yeah, he absolutely sunk his own value. I'm sure Bloom tried his damnedest to try and just get anyone to take him, but it also probably came to a point where if there was any team out there that was even considering Martinez, they were probably telling Bloom and the Red Sox, well, you've got to eat this much of his salary because he's not worth what he's making this year. And I'm sure the numbers just got too crazy and um, it just got too lopsided. And Bloom just said, you know what, I I can't deal this guy. I have to just hang on to him because I don't think anyone really wanted him. Well, one of the hurdles might have been, you know, whatever teams might have been interested probably would have wanted some type of assurance that he was either going to opt out if they truly just wanted him as a rental player or if they did want him for a couple of years, they might have wanted assurances that, no, he's going to he's gonna play his contract out. And I don't think J.D. Martinez really knows what he's going to do right now. I think he kind of wants to opt out, but if he's realistic, I mean, he's not a – I think he's roughly a $19 million player. I think that's what the last two years of his deal is each year. He's, he's not a $19 million player, so – he might be forced to opt in just like last winter when there was just simply no market for him. So he couldn't leave roughly $60 million on the table. He had to opt in. And so I think that was, was a problem. Yeah, there's no question there. I mean, the money was definitely an issue. This isn't someone that was going to be... Um, I mean, he doesn't look like he's trending in the right direction. I mean, what this reminds me of is... Um, Oh my gosh! It was uh, well, it's it, it. Oh, I just had his name and I lost it. Uh, oh, Travis Hafner. Travis Hafner was a guy who was like clout city for Cleveland, and literally didn't look like anything was gonna go the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, you see a guy who is an absolute terror at the dish. This guy's crushing forty bombs a year, and then 
the following year falls off the planet, hits 24, still gets 100 RBIs, but after that was a shell of his former self. Like, he just never was the same. It didn't matter what team he played for. I mean, he played for a couple teams um, outside of Cleveland. Um, I think the Yankees is where he finished his career, but he just was garbage. And I really hope this isn't the Travis Hafner effect, because if that is, forget about trading him away. This is going to be like sucking up a Pablo Sandoval contract. You're not going to be able to do anything or trade him. You're going to have to suck up 80% of the deal just to see him maybe hit a home run for another team. It's it's. I mean, we, we at this point, the Red Sox just have to kind of pray for this to be almost over because this has been brutal. Yeah, I, I think at this point, you almost have to hope that he does opt out and he just goes, well, I'm going to try to earn a new contract somewhere else, you know, or, or something like that. Because, Charlie, you mentioned Travis Hafner. He's reminding me more of Chris Davis, which is oh, scary. Oh, God. Like, yes. I don't think I don't think it's quite that bad yet, but it's trending that way. I mean, he's starting to look like he just doesn't know what he's doing up there at the plate. So that's really bad. Like, hopefully it doesn't come to that. And look, worst case scenario, it's two more years. It's two more years. Granted, it's at 19.3 per, but it's two more years. Or if you really want to, you can buy him out next year. He has a two and a half million dollar buyout. So oh, well, that's that easy. wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either because if, if he doesn't opt out and he wants to continue making that $19 million and he's going to play like this, I mean, for a team that's looking to rebuild and looking for cap flexibility, that wouldn't surprise me at all if the Red Sox did that. That's a total I, I, game changer, though. It's it's brutal. When you when you think of Chris Davis, too, like Davis is – I'm pretty sure he's got guaranteed money for the next couple of years, too. I mean, he literally got paid – and then just started choking, and I, I don't even know what happened. Like this is year like four or five of his deal. I don't even remember. I, I think he has another two or three years left on his deal, and he's still making twenty million a year. Because I remember when he signed, it was it was the same. It was the deal that um, Jacoby Ellsbury got. It was like seven years, a buck fifty-five or a buck sixty, something like that. And I remember thinking, "Holy crap, dude! Like that's crazy. Like what if he ends up sucking?" And then he did. Like he ended up absolutely sucking. And um, I, mm, it makes me nervous if, if J.D. Martinez goes down that route because he's owed a little bit less money each of the next two seasons. Um, but Jason, honestly, dude, if, if, he doesn't, uh, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't get it done, I'm nervous. I remember in his contract, though, he had an injury. He had a foot issue that when um, he was playing in Arizona, they mentioned he had uh, – it's the French foot thing. Liz Frank. Frank thing. Yeah, yeah. Liz Frank <laughs> thing. Yeah, I, I can never think of it. It's like Lizzie something. Liz Frank injury. <laughs> um, if he gets that, there was something on his contract, which the 2021 or 22 uh, 2022 season wasn't a guarantee. It was something like that. If he ended up having that issue again, uh, there's a chance that they could, the Red Sox could still opt out. So that's a potential $20 million right off the book if he ends up getting that injury, which is why if he can't, I mean, if if we did lose Bradley too, stick him out in right field. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, we need the bodies out there, and he knows how to play right field, kind of. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt the team. It was kind of like Hanley Ramirez when the, the Red Sox cut him. Why did they cut him? Because they didn't want Hanley Ramirez to get 
guaranteed at-bats. If he got guaranteed at-bats, the following season's salary was going to be guaranteed. Well, all we had to do was wait until August 5th because at August 5th or August 7th, whatever it was, he wasn't going to be able to get the number of plate appearances in order to get the guaranteed contract. J.D. Martinez is one least frank injury away from not getting that contract in, in year 2022 uh, or 2021. I don't remember the actual verbiage in the contract, but I remember like doing research on that. It's not always a guarantee that when you get that, you're going to come back and be fine. He might be dealing with an, a nagging injury that we don't know about, but I also think there's something in his head similar to Andrew Benintendi where there's just something off. You just you don't trust yourself. You're, you're not getting the mechanics right because I personally don't understand how somebody can go from hitting 40-plus bombs to three. That literally makes no sense. Like When Hafner went from 43 to 26 to 12, it was like watching the curious case of Benjamin Button. And I know I'm rambling here, but it was like, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, there's, there's one benefit, and that is that uh, Martinez's deal is not as bad as Chris Davis's because he's so Chris Davis is making 17 million over the next two years. Oh, God. Uh, they're both 20, 20 million against the luxury tax. And then from the years 2023 until 2037, he has $42 million deferred. So the Orioles will be paying Chris Davis until the year 2037. That's crazy. How much does that hurt? <laughs> I'll be Just 54 that. years old that year. Um, yeah. yeah. And the thing that people forget about Davis, remember when he had that drug suspension? It ended up being Adderall. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I'm wondering, oh, my God. could that have been a masking agent for something else? I mean, we're speculating. Let's let the audience know that. We're not at, we're not accusing, we're speculating. But I, that that was my thought anyway. Um, I and don't know. I, oh, it's a turning man, that, point. That's... Let me just say, it, it was the turning point of his career, and he's been a dud ever since. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it actually was just the Adderall. I mean... You know, it, maybe he just completely because he couldn't take it, just completely lost focus, lost some of his plate vision. Because he's a, I mean, he's a moose. Like he's a big guy. He shouldn't have any problem hitting home runs. So I think he probably just lost a little bit of his plate vision, a little bit of his focus up there, and yeah, it completely ruined him. It's interesting because I remember when that whole fiasco happened. Chris Davis was one of the best first basemen in baseball. And defensively, I don't really remember how he did. But you didn't get Chris Davis or put Chris Davis in the lineup for his for his glove. You put him in there because you knew he was going to mash and gash. And uh, I remember when that whole fiasco happened, I was like, to think that a baseball player needs to take Adderall to focus, just how did you get by? Like, what did you do in college? Or what did you do beforehand? I mean, speculating, of course, again, uh, as you mentioned, Terry, we, we don't know. But what would Adderall mask exactly? What drug would Adderall be able to cover up for? I don't know if Adderall has that capability. And I, and I don't want anyone thinking that we're, um, you know, speculating, accusing or anything. I, 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 I genuinely don't know. I don't know how someone like that did it. Like, I don't get what happened to Half. I don't know what happened to Chris Davis. 
I don't know what happened to J.D. Martinez. Like, it can't be the fact that we said, no, no, no more iPad. No. It, it has to be something else. Yeah, it's just crazy. And, you know, it's one thing that the Red Sox are a bad team, but we still needed the good players to be good. That way we could cash in on them and, and get value. But even that couldn't happen. I mean, this season, as far as I'm concerned, has been a total dud uh, in, in almost every aspect. And we did get some prospects back. I mean, we got the Seabold kid from the uh, Workman deal, and we've got a couple of guys that, you know, might pan out from the Moreland trade. We'll find out who the players to be named later are from today's uh, transactions, but it just it wasn't really a, a great a great season for us in in any aspect. You know, I guess we drafted that Blaze Jordan kid, so that that was kind of cool. But but let me ask you this: go if you could get into a time machine and just go back to mid July, and I told you the Padres are gonna need a DH. And they're going to come to the Red Sox. And this is early July. We haven't seen anybody take a live at-bat in an actual game yet. Are you putting your money on that it's J.D. or are you putting your money on that it's Moreland? If, if, it's, if it's San Diego? Yeah. Like, oh, J.D., 100%. Yeah, exactly. If you could... If you could just guess back in early July which one it would have been, I think everybody would have said J.D. Because I was thinking, geez, we got Moreland back. I was kind of surprised they brought him back. I mean, we didn't bring Brock Holt back, and he was a lot more versatile. And I'm thinking, geez, Moreland might spend half the season on the DL, and (laughs) he led the team in average and home runs and probably just about every offensive category you possibly could and was phenomenal. And he was the guy that went to San Diego. You know, he's the guy who's got a great chance to win a ring that came from the Red Sox this year. So it's just crazy how it all panned out. And some of these guys that were supposed to be really good just weren't, you know, Barnes could have been worth something had he been more consistent he had a scoreless inning his last time out, unless he was in tonight. I turned the game off once we started. But, um, but yeah, so it's just been a total disappointment is the best I can, uh, you know, describe it. I mean, are you guys – I mean, where are you guys at just overall, every aspect of the season? Oh, I mean, it's been terrible. I mean, I'm still thinking about the San Diego question. I think – Hindsight 2020, of course, because why wouldn't the team want the better player? But here's the thing. Would A.J. Preller actually have spent that kind of money? Do you think he would have actually shelled out that kind of dough for 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 uh, for J.D. Martinez? I, I don't I don't think he would have. I think I think he's cheap. I think what he does is he tries to maximize um, his return by by sending broken players. I can't stand him as a GM. In case people couldn't tell, I can't stand him. I, I still don't know why he's allowed to be a GM. But um, yeah, I'm still thinking about that that whole situation. I I think he might have gone Moreland to be honest. 
Well, that that was a situation where he would have needed an assurance that JD would likely opt out, and and then you know maybe the trade goes ahead, you know, with the presumption that it's just a rental, so it shouldn't be quite as big of a haul. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. I, I just didn't think Moreland would be one of our, you know, best trade chips, so to speak. And um, while we're on that, because J.D. is going to have something to say about this, um, the payroll situation, which I just lost, the the Red Sox, assuming J.D. doesn't opt out, are going to be around $183 million next year. So that leaves $26 million and change to play with. I mean... Do you guys get the impression we're going to go crazy and load up now that the penalties are reset and and get ourselves significantly over the tax threshold again? Because I nope. don't. I don't think so. No, not, not at, at all. all. Nope. No. Next year. Next year is going to be just as ugly as that that uh, that movie Waterboy's uh, mascot, where he like drinks and then falls over on the table and like lands on his back. It's going to be another. It's going to be another ugly year. Um, we have to brace ourselves for another year of kind of just mix and mingle uh, pieces that are going to be coming and going within a year, within a couple of months of service. Thanks for your time. There's going to be a couple other Kevin Pillar types. Good God, I hope they don't bring them back to only trade them again and then bring them back the following year because that'd just be an ugly revolving door. And I hope Heim Bloom doesn't have that mentality of just bringing players back for a little bit to only send them on their way again. Uh, but we're we're two to three years away from from really contending, and, and that's to be generous, to be truly generous. That is my honest opinion. Well, and keep in mind, Terry, the the number is actually more like twenty one million, you know, because you have to adjust it for the three year fifteen million dollar deal they're going to give Jackie Bradley Jr. because <laughs> Kai Bloom's probably going to cave to fan pressure, and he's probably going to bring him back because that's just that's just our lives as Boston Red Sox fans. We just we're stuck with Bradley until he retires. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. How, how bad would it be, though? Think about this for a second. How bad is it going to look if JB walks at the end of this year? Yeah, I mean, it's it could look really bad. But I think as an organization, you have to just let a guy like that walk. Um, I understand, especially after the Tomasi thing, like, that's, that's tough. Um, but... You just you have to deal with it. Yep. You deal with the blowback, and then you you get to work on spending that money elsewhere, and you let someone else overpay for them. It just yep. sounds like the Red Sox are going to gamble on the young guys next year. That one or two of them emerges and can can help the team. You know, I think we forget that Erod will also be back. That's his walk year next year, so hopefully he makes the most of that. And you'll have sale back, like we mentioned, and but it's not going to be a big splash winter like some people might expect with the tax penalties no longer in place. And I don't know. And let's wrap the show up with this. Actually, the Yankees didn't do shit, did they? Not really. Nope. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they got one actually. You know, it's funny was uh, uh, Garrett Cole was 
garbage tonight. He gave up a home run the first inning. They were down, I think, four or five nothing. And he's been he's been a major bust in twenty twenty. I mean, it's it's just like the Yankee way. They they go, you know, ass over backwards here, just doing whatever they can to get the best player and they give these players these ridiculous deals or they, they add or trade for these players that are going to be in these ridiculous deals for years to come. And I think of two players in particular, Giancarlo Stanton, who really hasn't lived up to anything in New York. Uh, and you have uh, Garrett Cole, who just got shelled again. Yeah, he strikes out a crap little guys, but dude, if you give up two home runs and five runs a game, you're killing your team. This is his pitching line from tonight. And as I go through it real quick, tell me which part of it is the scariest. Uh, five innings pitched, gave up eight hits, four earned runs, and four walks. Which one of those oh, is the scariest? Yeah, the, the four walks. You yeah. shouldn't be walking, guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. That That's a command yeah. issue. I don't know if it's a... You know, if it's a, a mental issue as well. And I'm just, I'm already starting to wonder, what was that pitching program in Houston like? What were they doing? What was so revolutionary? Because Morton took it to Tampa, and he's got some durability issues right now, but has basically pitched like an ace, and... Garrett Cole has kind of unraveled a bit. So he he was only a bona fide ace for a couple of years. He was a semi-top of the rotation guy before that. They, they always figured he had the potential to give what he gave in 2018 and 2019, but he never really maximized it prior to 2018. So now the Yankees have this giant contract. I still think it'll probably work out, but it's a it's a big contract, and I don't think the luxury tax is going anywhere. Some people think it's going to get scrapped in the next uh, labor negotiations, but I think it's here, especially seeing all that tomfoolery with the negotiations earlier in the summer with how many games and what the percentage of the money would be and, and whatnot. I, I think the luxury tax is here to stay. Stanton has six or seven years left, and um, you know Judge Stanton. All these guys are coming up. I think Tanaka is in his walk year. So is James Paxton. So they're going to have to spend money on pitching. I know they got that Davy Garcia kid who looked really good yesterday, and uh, Clark Schmidt. They seem to be pretty high on. So maybe those guys just kind of pan out and and are middle to top of the rotation guys, but that organization I think is a mess right now. And Chapman blew a save uh, against the Mets. So I don't know what trajectory he's going to be on. Their offense is not performing either. Now granted half of them are on the, the IL because they can't stay on the field. But like if it weren't for Luke Voigt and DJ, DJ LeMahieu, the Yankees would be terrible. Right now, those are the only two guys that are hitting. Like I, I agree. I yeah. 100% agree with that comment. 100%. Gio, Gio Urshela is hitting 239. Shocker! Gio Urshela came back down to earth. Can we stop with this? Like, someone phone a Rod and let him know that the, the best <laughs> third baseman in the American League is hitting 239. Uh, 
Gary Sanchez hitting 128, like Brett Gardner 169. Like these guys aren't hitting. And Judge can't stay on the field for more than 30 seconds. Stanton can't get on the field. Glaber Torres is 23 years old and has already been on the IL like three or four different times with all sorts of different injuries. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if Yankee fans are panicking quite yet. I know that they're frustrated, but, like, I'd be panicking a little bit because they they should be a World Series favorite this year, and it looks like they won't even get close to getting there. And they're There's, in danger oh, they're, of not making the playoffs. They, yeah, they're, they're definitely they're panicking, 100%. If you go on Twitter right now, there, there are a couple people that are, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're, like, jokingly saying it, but they're saying stuff like, oh, my God, DFA, DFA Cole. Like, what? No way. Obviously, you can't do that. But, I mean, I remember I was very vocal about that day. Jason, I know exactly what you're talking about when uh, when Alex Rodriguez said you're looking at one of the, you know, the best third baseman in, in the American League. And I think it was uh, Vaskersian that said, oh, what about that guy in Oakland? You know, Chapman, you know, like, wait, what about him? Like, mm. yeah, I, I think. A-Rod was just trying to fill space by talking and un- unfortunately shoved both feet deep in his mouth and choked on it. Um, the Yankees right now are, are hanging by a thread because for the second, excuse me, for the second year in a row, I have never seen a team get decimated by injuries to this magnitude. It's unreal. It's literally unreal. They're getting absolutely hammered, hammered by injuries. Last year, didn't they have like 18 guys on the on the IL at once? Like it was insane. And this year, you got players that are coming off of the IL, come into the game, and then leave in the sixth inning to go back onto the IL. Mr. Aaron Judge. I mean, geez, if the Yankees are smart, you've got to move a guy like that right now. Get whatever you can. Here's this is ridiculous. Here's some uh, reaction just to the final score tonight. Um, a guy. Oops, I lost it already. A guy whose uh, name on there is, it's it's not what you want. That's his name. He says, Cole should be forever grateful to the Houston Astros for whatever it is they did to make him elite those two seasons. They got him his $342 million. He's a fine pitcher, but not worth all that money. A number two at best when he's really on. So... Number two at best, according to one Yankees fan. Another one says, uh, his name's Mike Gorby. He says, Gardner doesn't deserve playing time in a 30-plus men's league. Another one says, manhandled again. That's brutal. It is. Michael Kelly says, manhandled again. Sure glad Yankees stood pat at the deadline. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Cashman's time is almost up. And I could probably go on and on down this list, but they're not happy. And I had a hot take where I said, I think it was Cashman would be fired by the end of the 2022 season. And if that's a strike year, I think I deserve the 2023 season uh, to play out. But there's no way Hal Steinbrenner is looking at... What the Tampa Bay Rays have done, which is nothing short of brilliant. They could win a World Series this year. They're a bona fide World Series threat, I think. you got to give it to the Dodgers for now, but that's a team that can walk in there every game and 
have that funky bullpen and keep a team off balance. And the Rays are an elite contact hitting team. They, it seems like they can make any starting pitcher look bad, just like they did Garrett Cole tonight. So, I mean, gun to my head, I'd probably pick the Dodgers to beat them, but I would probably be the least shot guy in the room if the Rays somehow came away with this World Series. It would be the most 2020 thing ever anyway. But there's no way, like I was saying before that mini rant, um, that Hal Steinbrenner's looking at Cashman thinking he's going to outsmart the Rays front office. I'm boldly going to assume, well, maybe not so boldly, but Hein Bloom's going to get this Red Sox team in gear, and we're going to be a juggernaut too. So he's going to be looking at Bloom. What's the 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 Tampa guy? It starts with an N. It's kind of an odd name. Nehemiah or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, I completely forget. But yeah, yeah. He, but they're smart. And, and then, of course, you got the two teams in Southern California, not named the Angels, that are brilliant. There's no way Steinbrenner's looking at Cashman and, and says, my guy is just as smart as those guys because they're paying through the teeth for a much worse product than what all those teams are putting out. And I think he's going to be fired by the end of 2022. And they're gonna they're gonna get a bunch of geeks in their front office headed up by probably somebody from Tampa or maybe the number three ranked guy in the Red Sox organization, whoever that is by then. And and the Cashman era will be over. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, I just yeah, Garrett Cole, twelve home runs and eight starts. Oof, like not not what they should be. Paying that much money, that that amount of money for, They're and pro- uh, yeah, I, I think Cashman's. I, I think the clock is finally starting to tick on him. I know Yankee fans in years past have felt like you know he walks on water and that Cashman can do no wrong, and every move he makes is brilliant. And look, he's made a few good ones. The Luke Voigt trade was phenomenal. Uh, signing DJ LeMahieu was a great move, but I don't know if he mismanages it the rest of the way, and you know they just continue to pile on more years you know since their last championship then he might be out the door i think so too and they're probably begging for a humidor in their stadium right now because their guys can't keep it in the park they're pitchers um so that's like a zero gravity stadium right now as far as home runs go but yeah but uh charlie uh any any final thoughts on uh yankees or cashman I realized I was muted when I almost cut people off, so I'm glad I was muted. Uh, <laughs> Cashman's been there for 20-plus years. I, I don't think – I think that when Cashman's time is up, it will be Cashman saying, I've decided to step down. I think rather than Hal doing that, I think it will be a conversation for both of them, and it will be a quiet conversation of just – you need to step down and say you're leaving baseball for personal reasons or whatever, and I'm not going to embarrass you by firing you. It's going to be something like that. But the the fact of the matter is uh, Cashman has helped to bring the Yankees four World Series titles. Yes, there was a significant amount of money brought in to the the dynasty time uh, of the late 90s for the Yankees when they probably – arguably could have won, you know, four or five in a row uh, and started their, their, their second 
you know, tenured dynasty and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I, I, geez, man, I just, I'm trying to imagine, it, it's like trying to imagine Bobby Cox not with the Braves. It's hard to imagine Brian Cashman not with the Yankees, even with everything that's going on. Uh, you can't blame the Yankees for Garrett Cole's struggles. It's not his fault. And Cashman has been there for a lot of great moves. I I, I think of the, the number of home runs, I think, was it you, Jason, that mentioned he's got 12 home runs in eight games? Yep. Yeah. Rick Porcello had given up something like that, 15 home runs in the first, like, six or seven games a couple of years back. He almost had allowed 40 home runs the year after he had the Cy Young year um, when he won- when he lost almost 20 games. He just got absolutely shellacked. I mean, he, he was just god-awful. I mean, it, it seemed like every mid-level pitch was out of the park. Garrett Cole, I, I think part of it's pressure. And I honestly do think that there was something that was going on in Houston because, again, it doesn't make sense how you go from being super, super elite to uh, – I don't think he's a number two. I refuse to say that. I think Garrett Cole is a number one on a lot of baseball clubs. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about cash, cash money over there, you know. I, I think it'd be interesting to see if, if he leaves. I think we're looking at another two to three years – and it'll be Brian Cashman saying, you know what? I made a lot of money. I think I'm going to step down, let somebody else take a shot at it. I'm just going to be a special advisor, and I'm going to quietly sail away. That's what I think is going to happen to Cash. That, that's a, a very realistic scenario, you know, and I could see it playing out just like that, where it's a mutual parting of ways, and Cashman has bigger, better things to move on to. Wants to spend more time with family, something like that. And and yeah, I could totally see it. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Uh, didn't get the fireworks we were hoping for today, but we'll see. And you know, see what the rest of the season holds. Maybe they'll call up that Duran kid. We got Doll back up. We're not going to see any of the young pitchers, according to Alex Spear. So. Um, we can kind of lower expectations as far as that goes. But, uh, and then when this merciful month ends, or I should say mercifully, <laughs> um, we will have playoff baseball and that's something I get into. So, um, so we'll just kind of look forward to that. Yeah. We can always root against the Yankees. So uh, they're, they're not making the playoffs though. <laughs> Probably not, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I don't know. They're like the seventh or eighth seed right now, but they're certainly in a spiral, losing what eight out of the last ten, something like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's not good, man. I'm 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 really excited to see the Padres play, and uh, you know I hate the Padres, but I'm excited to see them. Uh, it'll be cool to see. Hopefully, the Padres get some uh, Padres get some more opportunities to get some marquee games and ESPN time. Um, the Yankees are whatever they're, they're starting to slide. It's, it's odd to see them do it, but I mean, you can't count them out. I mean, last year they won over a hundred games, right? They won over a hundred games and they had like 50 guys in the DL or 40 guys in the DL. It was absolutely insane. Um, so you can't count them out. I, I won't do it. Uh, the Yankees are still the Yankees and we don't know if the Tampa Bay Rays can keep up this, uh, this work. They're, they're a great team, but again, the Yankees are the Yankees. We don't know yet. We'll see. 
I think, let me say this, though. I think the Blue Jays could possibly steal second away from them if they haven't already. Um, you know, they brought in Tywin Walker. They got Ross Stripling today. I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out, but I'm sure he's an upgrade over whatever they had at the bottom of their rotation. And I don't know. The Astros are looking good. There's three teams in the Central that have 19 or more wins right now. Um I just, I don't know. The The American League is stacked in a way that it's it hasn't been stacked in quite a while. So I just, I wouldn't rule out anything here. Yeah, and Blue Jays actually, they got Robbie Ray as well too. Oh, did they? So, oh, I they, didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was like a, yeah, that was like a uh, 355 deal. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. They got Robbie Ray. Did they yeah, have to was... give up a lot or no? I don't think so. No, in fact, I think they only gave up like a, a low uh, low minor league pitcher. It was like a one-for-one one deal because Ray, Ray has really struggled so far this year, and obviously he's on the last year of his deal too. So, yeah, yeah I'm surprised that they didn't give up much, but yeah. He really just kind yeah. of fell off a cliff after 2017, but... It was uh, it was it was brutal because uh, I remember Robbie Ray when he was in Arizona, he was absolutely crushing it. And uh, just what Jason said, guy just can't seem to get anything going on. He's just his control problems are just getting worse. Yeah, absolutely. So I hopefully for his sake, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy, but um, it's just going to be interesting if they. If they can get that rotation firing on all cylinders, you know they have the lineup. So, um, you know, could easily, you know, be a, a distant second from, from a third-place Yankees team. So, all right, guys, have a good night. Good show. Yeah, for sure. Take care, guys. All right, see you. The bonus trade uh, deadline episode in the books. I think that's episode 213. So maybe that's why it wasn't a good, you know, a good trade season for us because it, it fell on the 13th show um, of the 200s. Just kidding. Not that superstitious, but we will be back on Wednesday night to recap this Atlanta Brave series. Um, probably not going to be pretty from here out, but... It's still baseball. We're still fans. We're still going to cover it. And if things are going bad for us, maybe we can laugh at the Yankees like we just were. And there's going to be some interesting division races coming down the stretch. So we're going to be here to cover it all. And uh, we hope you guys stick around because we certainly enjoy it. Have a good uh, rest of your week. And we will be back with you Wednesday night for your Thursday morning commute. Take care.